0: The 3CR Gardening Show is coming to you today from the Woi Wurrung Nation. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of this land. We recognise the practices of care and cultivation of the land and waters by the First Peoples and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Wherever you are and wherever you garden, we encourage you to know whose land you're on. Good morning and welcome to the 3CR Gardening Show. I'm Emma Hurd, your host for today's show, and I hope some listeners out there are awake and keen to call in and chat because we've got some great guests here in the studio this morning. Later in the show, we'll be chatting about some food-producing plants that have been brought in and we'll take calls and texts. Today, I have the great company of two wonderful long-time guests of the show. The first, Karen Sutherland a garden designer writer teacher and speaker and has co-released her book Tomato No So Grow and Feast with our second lovely guest Penny Woodward horticultural writer photographer and editor having penned seven best-selling gardening books including of course co-authoring Tomato
1: No So Grow and Feast thanks both for coming in and welcome Thanks, Emma. It's lovely to be here again, even if the drive was a bit hairy. Yeah, from the yeah. peninsula, it was blowing a gale down our way. I couldn't believe how still it is up here because we had stuff all over the road and yeah, yeah, it was um, and raining heavily. So. I,
0: I had a similar experience coming from Alinda. So yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely wild weather, but uh, kind of nice as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes. Except we have a lot of big trees. Well, I guess you do in Alinda, but it's always yeah. a bit worrying when you're. Driving along narrow
2: roads with tall trees on either side? Definitely. Um, yeah. Well the northern suburbs of Melbourne, I'm pleased to report, are very, very still and quiet this oh, morning.
0: Good. <laughs> good. And you so
2: you had a peaceful drive? Very peaceful. Yeah. It was very it was much quicker than I than expected. So. Good. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's one of my favourite things about doing the show, besides speaking to all the lovely guests, is the drive in in the morning. I wake up thinking, "Oh, this is you know, it's hard to wake up." But
1: once you're on the road, mm. it's
0: just lovely. It's
1: peaceful. Yeah, I, I look. I totally agree with you most of the time, but today was just a bit airy. <laughs> yeah. The rain. Some of the rain was so heavy that it was sort of pulling on the yeah, road well, in front of me and stuff. So, and not, not a very dark. Yeah, yeah, not such a nice... It's, there's
2: been so much rain over the last two or three years, of course, with yeah. La Nina, and I, I actually now think to myself when I'm driving when it's not raining, or when I'm doing a long-distance drive, I mean, I think, oh, what a great day for driving. Not, oh, wouldn't it be nice to be out in the sun? I just yeah. think more of, oh, I don't have to navigate... Um, not being able to see where I'm going, um, going through <laughs> potholes full of water. Mm. Yeah, Conditions are good. Funny. Yeah, yeah, that's my my big excitement, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> long distance driving.
0: <laughs> I can understand that, especially if you're having to do long distance driving quite often.
2: Mm, yeah, I do quite a lot.
0: Makes a difference. Mm. So ladies, uh, what, what's been happening in your gardens?
2: Um,
1: yeah, I guess it's changed over time for me. I've... I've um my garden got into a real mess over summer and I have couch grass growing up in most of my beds and all that sort of thing so I'm just gradually gradually without trying to put too much pressure on myself working through getting the couch grass out mm. um, mulching with cardboard um and then and then shredding shredded um branches and shrubs and stuff that I've been pruning um on top of the cardboard um to try and Get the weeds under control because it's been – when I get up and do talks, I often – one of the talks I do is on pest repellent plants and I start off by saying that my garden is chaos and that's wonderful because it, I have so many beneficial insects and birds and lizards and all sorts of things that find homes in my wild garden. But it's just got gone a bit further than it probably should have now. So yeah. I'm just – I'm gradually um, – creating the garden beds to plant into. I've just planted some broccoli and I've got my garlic in, of course, um, and I need to get a few more plants in. But uh, I use my raised garden beds. I have eight of them as my compost heap. So every year, one or two of them is the compost heap and I keep adding to it because soil gradually diminishes in raised beds. Um, That's such a good idea because mm.
0: that way you're not moving great masses of soil mm. around. Like once your mm. compost is ready, you might yep. add a few extra things to it. But mm. other than that, you could plant right into
1: it. Yeah, well, I do. I actually create a hole in the yeah. stuff that I've, that I've got there and put a bit of soil in there and just plant into it. And the roots find their way down I underneath. I love that. But that means planting seedlings rather than seeds. But yeah. I, it's a, system that I find works really well Um, and yeah so it's, it's sort of change over time at the moment so I'm sure that's what a lot of people are doing. I pulled all my tomatoes out last week after having I've still got them ripening inside though some yeah. of them just a few do you ever hang the whole
0: plant upside down somewhere um, dry and just let yeah, it yeah
1: i don't really have anywhere that i can do that i tend to pick them and just bring them in and sit them on a tray on the table not not in direct sunlight just inside and they mostly they they ripen some of them just go stay green and go soft and i throw those out but yeah. they are still ripening at the moment
0: i did notice that my neighbors uh hang their tomatoes upside down but they have chickens and they um. hung them a little bit low and the chickens oh, were the chickens nibbling on them up and I evening. thought that was kind of charming yes. but you know not yeah. if you well, want the, to make it I'm preserves. sure the chickens thought it was charming too. Yeah. yeah but I'm very glad that they're still ripening for you because yeah. you know it it's just brings this elongates the season. It does it's a nicer. little but
1: look um if you want to if you've got a good undercover area hang, picking the whole thing and um, bringing them inside yeah um or you know undercover they often do ripen really well. Yeah. So, yeah. Worth yeah, so doing. It's well worth doing. So what are you doing in your um, multiple h- gardens, Kind of similar.
2: <laughs> the, I'll talk about the country one because, yes, there's, there's no cooch grass in the Melbourne one, but the country one has cooch mm. and it has encroached. So yeah. there's some of those issues. But, yeah, I have never let my – I mean, I'm a pretty wild, messy veggie gardener like you. Mm penny and um and i like all that because of the beneficial insects although that one of the wild creatures living in one of my veggie areas now as i move down and do some harvesting when i'm up there each time is a hare. it's a really cute looking little <laughs> hare. it's got really nice colorations but yeah i yeah, don't really want a, a no not fancy. not what you want in a yeah, veggie no, so garden it, it darts yeah. out every time i am um, I'm, I'm like oh okay you're in there somewhere there's a nest in this so little yeah. nest in the middle a of all the of some sort well there's a whole lot of Calendula that's been going for ages. I've dried flowers from it. It's self seed. Mm. There's a lot of overlapping, not having cleared out, self seeding, mm. and so some of it's just continued on. Uh, but I have thought to myself, I think there's time to have a little bit of a clean out. Mm. And yeah, tomatoes. I have brought some in today. I think um, Lizzie Leaf would have put some up on the on the three CR Facebook page. Yeah. But there's there's a few. There's even one that's self seeded. That's we're well, talking let's about. Let's have before a talk the
0: about them. Yeah. So. This little one here, self-seeded?
2: Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a self-seeded one that's only just started ripening. So the plant's really fresh. And one of the reasons I've got a lot of other ones still ripening is because I actually put my tomatoes in fairly late. Yep. So it's so it gets such a long season up in north-central Victoria that I, I'm kind of contemplating trying to get two proper seasons in. But mm. have, maybe, yeah, having said that, this... Um,
0: maybe this one has potential that you could get seeds from them and use them again next year if they're a late fruiting mm,
3: variety. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's just grown at, the, at this time of year it's pretty amazing that we've only just started picking them but they they look like they're a cross between other ones I've grown like Karajong and and something else don't know mm. but there's I was saying to both of you before the show, Explaining, there are so many blue banded bees around there, and I was trying to save seed from some of the dwarf tomatoes, and I realised, until unless I net them, mm. there's no way they're just yeah. buzzing around between every single plant. So yeah, and you want the bees, <laughs> so it's h- a hard um, choice. <laughs>
1: can, can I just interrupt just very slightly there because there are the there are a lot of people who think that tomatoes are pollinated by bees, but they're not pollinated by honeybees. Honeybees cannot pollinate tomatoes. Tomatoes are actually wind-pollinated as a whole, which is why usually you don't need to net them. But in areas where there are bumblebees, like Tasmania and and UK, for instance, you do have to net them because bumblebees front up to the flowers with their chests and they vibrate the flowers, which releases the pollen. So that then has the potential to cross-pollinate between Cultivars. If you're growing different cultivars, if you're only growing one sort, it doesn't matter. Um, but we also now, particularly in Victoria, have blue banded bees, and it, we used to not have them. I've only had them for about the last five years in my garden. Um, but they do—they do something very distinctly Australian. They mosey up to the flowers and they headbutt them <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really fast. To to. <laughs> There's a <laughs> There's I love a, watching
0: footage of them. Yeah, there's
1: a there's a really good little um, thing on film on YouTube that shows them actually doing this with this cloud of pollen coming out. But it's something like a thousand times a second, or you know, something ridiculous. Incredible. Like that. But um, they're amazing. Creatures. But so if you've got blue banded bees in your garden with your tomatoes, you may end up with cross pollinated plants. So if you're trying to keep a strain pure. You need to make sure that you collect your seed from a tomato that is not a cross. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. Sorry. So, yeah, keep going. so so
2: I knew that these are a cross of something. Yeah. But handy, and I've still got lots of. Interestingly, the Jean Flam, which is a nice medium orange-flavoured fruit, that did fairly well mm. up there because it's. Um, we use bore water there on the veggie garden, although we're going to stop doing that and just use town water because it affects too many of the veggies. It doesn't seem to affect the tomatoes, but the coloration I shouldn't say it doesn't is affect. Is that the them. mineral
0: content? It's so,
2: oh, not a hundred percent sure. But the coloration of the tomatoes gets affected, I should say, but the, the hmm. growth still is okay. But that's all finished and the <laughs> Black Russians were good but they're all finished. But the, the green zebra, they're they're still producing fruits, which is quite amazing. Yes. I think it'll stop now we're getting frosts, but
0: they're very beautiful. They really are as a tomato. Well, as a fruit,
2: yeah, really beautiful green stripes. Mm. Mm. And the other one that's still producing madly is Barry's crazy yellow cherry. Yeah, I'm not I'm never yeah. sure whether to put the yellow in there because it is yellow. It's like yeah. a little yellow pear with a point on the end. Mm. What does that taste like? And it comes oh, so in, sweet. Please taste. It's a beautiful.
1: It's a beautiful tomato. But it comes They grow in um, big. Groups Most, know, of clusters, yeah, like a great—that's the word I was, um,
2: I was. asking my mum. You know, did she want me to pick some? She said no. I just go out and snack on them. And then the one lone chicken that's left up there, since other ones have passed and we haven't replaced all the chickens at the moment, she goes out and I leave all the cherry ones at ground level because that's her little snack. Uh, so little snack in the morning, she goes out and has a couple of cherry tomatoes. So. Oh,
0: what a life! Good for her. Yeah.
2: So for, so for people
1: who are awake at the moment and listening to us, we would really love you to call in and tell us how what your tomato season was like. Most definitely. And, and which tomatoes grew best for you because this is, you know, we, we, with climate change we are getting new conditions that we have to grow in and learning from what's happening in people's gardens. I mean, I know some people who've had a fantastic season because they haven't had quite as much rain so they haven't had the fungal problems. And other people who 've had a terrible season because they 've got heavier soil and they 've had a bit more rain and at the wrong times mm-hmm. um, and for me, it was a bit like that i've i 've had um, quite a lot of rain, which has been great because i didn 't have to water much during the summer and that 's always always nice not to not to be having to pour water on on the garden but tomatoes do like the intense heat of summer, so to to get really good Tomatoes, you, you that are flowering and ripening and everything happening properly. You want a bit of hot weather, and my garden's starting to get a bit shady too. So, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah so for me, it was a, it was a tough year. I got some really good tomatoes, but there were some pests that I'd never seen before as well. That's interesting. So you know, I think it was a really good year for all sorts of insects. So you, you're you saying you're seeing lots of blue-banded bees. So it's good for the good insects, but it's also good sometimes for the pest insects. Yeah,
0: that's a really good point to make. I experienced a similar season to you. So um, mm. quite wet and because I have dense soil, um, not much fruit on the tomatoes because it just didn't experience the intense heat that they need. But did get some very late season ones, I think. So, what
1: were you growing,
0: Emma? Um, We had beefsteak, which I don't think they got to full size before they ripened.
2: Their heart penny would agree they are difficult. The bigger ones are really difficult in any kind of cooler. Environment. Yeah. Although they can be, my they Cherokee really purples early.
1: did well again this year. They just love you. Though, I, can I, <laughs> I love my Cherokee purples. So beefsteak is a, is a cultivar, but it's also a description for big tomatoes. So okay. beefsteak tomatoes tend to have thin skins, which is why you never see them in, in supermarkets or even grain because mm. they just don't keep... They are big and solid, and they have a solid flesh, and they're just beautiful tomatoes. I mean, just slicing, yeah. Yeah. So Cherokee Purple is a beefsteak type tomato, in the same way as that. Jean Flom is a is a cherry tomato, or heading towards being a cherry tomato. So, yeah. well,
0: maybe I will avoid growing them in the future. I do remember last time you were in Karen, you brought in. Uh, some seeds for some very tiny tomatoes. Oh, the and tiny I, yellow ones. Yeah. Yeah, that's and my I, friend. Yeah. I do still have those seeds. So oh, next lovely. season, yeah. I'm
1: going to, going to sow to The problem with the tiny ones is that they take so long to pick. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but you can just... You know, yeah
1: i mean they're great them. when you're <laughs> snacking on them in the garden but if you want to feed to put in a salad yeah you, yeah. you
2: only need one of those plants in each year yeah. yeah you need an yeah. selection but yes i would definitely be recommending mediums those green zebras the jean flam mm. you know all all the um all the medium sized tomatoes they're real winners yeah they're, they're so much quicker to ripen than the big ones
0: it's good advice mm.
1: thank you There's many to
2: try, so,
1: you know. Yeah. We've got more than 300 different tomato cultivars in Australia that you can get seed of. So, you know, go to some of our (laughs) seeds. Yeah. This is heirloom tomatoes before you even get to the sort of the F1 tomatoes. Yeah,
0: it's a fantastic array.
1: Sorry, I'm looking for the pest, which I forget the name of. Yeah. The the one that burrows into the tomato that um, creates a hole in the tomato and then... And the only way to control it is to actually remove the tomatoes oh. that have got the hole in them and put them oh, in the rubbish. The budworm? Helios? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 that's what I was trying to, yeah. <laughs> and
0: yes. so you had some of those this year? I had season. those this year oh, for the, the first time. I've oh. never
1: had them before and it's, it's so, it makes you so sad because you have this lovely cluster of tomatoes mm. and they're, but they're still green so you can't pick them and then suddenly you see this bloody hole in the tomato <laughs> and you realise that you've got these budworms. Is it Um, usually a visible hole, or do
0: they? It's a visible hole. Sometimes they go in from the bottom, and you don't even notice. Like it looks still perfect.
1: They might do that sometimes, but usually you can see them. And then, um, if you get that tomato out and destroy it, so put it in the bin, don't put it in the compost. um, You can sometimes just stop them in their tracks. So you need to to keep your eye on your. You need to watch (laughs) your tomatoes. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's the same with powdery mildew, which there was a bit of that around this year. If you pick the leaves off as soon as you see them, then you're much less likely to have um, for it to spread Mm -hmm. over the over further over the plant. Sorry, my my earphones are falling down. (laughs) Um, That's all right. The and one of the ways that you tell that I tell with my tomatoes that I've got um, powdery mildew is to see the little um, black and yellow ladybird. Because mm. they actually Jeez. feed on powdery mildew, so because oh. quite often you don't notice the powdery mildew on tomatoes, um, and but if you see that little ladybird there, um, Ilius glabulus, I think its botanical name is, or I it's, know. It's, it's not botanical scientific <laughs> name. <laughs> Your zoology um, is shining through. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's um If you see it there, then you need to go looking for powdery mildew on your tomatoes and okay. remove those leaves. And quite often, you will just stop the powdery mildew in its tracks and you oh. don't have to do anything else.
0: That's fantastic advice.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Got a That's good advice.
2: Thanks, Penny.
1: Yeah. That's Thank right. you. But it's all, in, it's all in our book. This was. No, looking, but I mean, bringing yeah. it up is, yeah. um, for yeah. the listeners is really lovely. Yeah. yeah.
2: So
1: it's good yeah. to be. So, Karen, Karen did the pests and diseases section in, in our book, and it's the most comprehensive pests and diseases. Thing of anything yeah. that I have ever seen on the internet or anywhere because you just went everywhere for I for that, didn't did you? You spoke to it. so many people.
2: <laughs> and it looks like you took
0: some fantastic
2: images prototypes. that really helped Well, I was people. also uh, – I took some but I took also um, begged and borrowed them from people. Yeah. yeah. And my, because yeah. we self-published, people were very generous and allowed us to have some. Yeah. And also I should do a little um, thank you – Another thank you to Angelica Cameron who is an um, mm. entomologist who allowed allowed me to uh, get a bit of advice from her as well because I had a list of all my insects and, and she also supplied some of the photos but she um, looked through and um, got me to take a couple out because she said, oh, they're not really of a concern to home gardeners And mm-hmm. whereas I've been mm. accessing agriculture websites in yep. various states and, yeah. you know, mm. getting all sorts of details. So.
1: Oh, how wonderful. But I always, when when there's something in my garden that I don't recognise, I turn to this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it's so good to have amazing people that you can talk to. And so great Mm. that you put in the effort to reach out to them and get the information into that book. Mm. Yeah, so. it, is, it
2: is a really good, it is a good resource. I certainly don't remember everything that's in there. I sometimes yeah. think to myself, what was that thing again? And I have a little bit of a freak, so
0: But that's so beautiful. It's so lovely yeah. to have taken something out of your mind yeah. and now you've got, got this it, resource yes. for yourself. The, yeah. And I don't book. have
2: to remember it every day. Yeah, I've <laughs> yeah.
0: shared it with everyone. It's so good. Well, on that note, I'm going to open up the phone lines. Uh, you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Emma Heard, and with me in the studio are Penny Woodward and Karen Sutherland. It's time to invite our listeners to join us. And as you've heard Penny say, please call in and tell us what your tomato crop and all your productive plants have been doing this season gone. Um, so if you have a gardening question or comment, We'd also love to hear from you. You can call us on 9419 or you can text us on 0488 809 55. And for those of you who would prefer to email, you're most welcome to. And uh, we won't address your email in this uh, episode, but we'll uh, get back to you in the following one. Uh, our email address is 3cr.gardening.com. At gmail.com. So you're more than welcome to send some questions through there too. Uh, yeah. So moving forward, um, we do have some gardening announcements. Um, this weekend, the Friends of the Royal Botanic Gardens are hosting a pre-loved garden book sale. Um, that's from 10am till 3pm. So today is the last day. And uh, it's at Mueller Hall at the Royal Botanic Gardens. So you enter via the Oaklawn Gate, uh, formerly known as F-Gate. And, uh, yeah, you can pick up yourself some beautiful uh, pre-loved books. And who doesn't need some more books in their life? (laughs) <laughs>
1: I'm I'm heading there after the show. So yeah. oh, I need cool. to have a look to see what's going on. Yeah, apparently, really apparently ones, they yeah. got donations from a couple of publishers as well, so I'm not Ooh. sure what um what <laughs> they've um what they've got there. So. there you go. That's yeah.
0: important info for yeah. listeners as well. And I think sometimes you can get really old books that are mm. no longer in print. Mm. And that's
1: that's a bit of old a old and obscure treasure. ones. The yeah. ones I like.
0: yeah, so yeah, highly recommend this book sale. Um the next event is by encouraging women in horticulture. Uh, We're hosting a mental health webinar on the 7th of June from 8pm. Um, It's going to be uh, led by mental health clinician and consultant, Jared Tan. And it's a free webinar focusing on mental, on the mental health continuum model. So for more information and to register, please visit www.ewha.com.au. And Karen brought in another event uh, by the Royal Horticultural Society of Victoria. It's the Gardener's Day Out, uh, happening on Saturday the 17th of June from 9.30am. It's featuring inspiring presentations by Karen (laughs) Sutherland herself, um, Jane Edmondson, uh, Attila Capitani and Craig Castry. So that's a great lineup. It
1: certainly is. Yeah.
0: Um there's gonna be uh other vendors there, um and it's gonna be a beautiful, vibrant atmosphere. Uh can you can buy plants at the
2: I think so. I haven't actually attended or spoken at one of these before, so it's gonna be new to yeah. me. But I did um, notice that you have to, I, I, at first I thought it was just a roll-up day, but it's a pre-registration day, so okay. do go to the website. And there's website. A, fee, a fee to go. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 there's a small yeah. fee. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I
0: don't have their website written down, but please do Google Gardener's Day Out, Saturday the 17th of June. Um, I assume it will be on the Royal Horticultural Society of Victoria's website, so that will be your best place to to check it out um it's taking place at rusden theater at Deakin university in burwood so uh yeah feel free to look up more information about that it looks like it'll be a really good one especially if karen's going to be there <laughs> So, what other plants have we brought in this morning? Oh, can I
2: can I, can I mention one more event? Yes, I emailed you, but I'm not sure where that went to. Oh, sorry. No, no, that's okay. There's one that's going to be, or there's there's a talk I'm doing for the Herb Society. Now, I don't. would have to look up the details for that. I'll look that up for you in a second. But I was going to mention. You keep a, talking and I'll listen. Oh, up. thanks, Penny. A series of workshops. Oh, sorry, a series of webinars. And I participated in one last week with Jenny Bell. I. Oh, yes yeah thank you Herb Society Victoria thanks thanks Emma but I'll just quickly mention the 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 Bagans one so the um the um, Botanic Gardens of Australia New Zealand is that right yeah that's it. (laughs) it's such a uh, such a long um it's such a you know a good short acronym anyhow it's Botanic Gardens Month in May and so the the Botanic Gardens Mm. people decided to have a series of webinars and uh they um I, only, I didn't see what happened in week number one, but week number two was about the new greenhouse going in in, in the um, Botanic Gardens in Canberra, which I can't yeah. wait to see when that happens. It's going to be ridiculously huge and, and amazing. And you can
0: re-watch these actually on um, Costa's uh, Facebook page. Yeah, so if, right, if yes, listeners yeah. haven't heard of them or seen them, um, check out Uh, costa's facebook page and you can re-watch these live stream i think
2: i think also i went to a link from youtube so i think you can do that as well and people can also text in comments and ask questions, etc. So last, last Thursday, or the Thursday just gone, it was myself and Jenny Bell who curates the, or looks after the kitchen garden or the children's garden at the Botanic Gardens in Melbourne. And so we both spoke about edible plants and our love of them. So that was heaps of fun. And this following Thursday, there's going to be a presentation by First Nations um, on, on medicine, First Nations people, three First Nations people on medicine and healing. Oh, it's fantastic. So, yes yeah. so yeah, a really great, great. Yeah. Um, a great way to finish of the series. Yep. Yeah. Thank okay. you for
0: bringing that up.
2: That oh, sounds... It's, it's uh, Thursday from 7 till 8. Yes. Yeah. And
0: um, you can find it on Costa's live feeds, on his Instagram, on his uh, Facebook page, I think on YouTube as well, and Began's will be streaming it also. So you can follow them all, (laughs) Um, and you did mention your Herb Society of Victoria talk. Um, That is taking place on the first of June at seven thirty pm.
2: It's at at, um, the Burnley Hall. Yeah, Burnley Burnley College in the main. I think it's room ten in the main building. Yeah. So that's going to be on native food plants,
0: and is that a free event?
1: Oh, you... uh, it's usually a, a gold coin donation because oh, it's part of the Herb Society of Victoria. Yeah, wonderful. So, um, but they're always really keen to get new people. So it's a good one to go along to, and, and yeah, Karen's talks are always fantastic. Well, so. yeah. 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 yeah, perfect. So, thanks,
2: Emma.
0: Pleasure. Thank you for bringing them up. I'm sorry um, that I didn't no, check my email.
1: But <laughs> while we're talking about the Herb Society, could mm-hmm. I could I mention that? Um, um, sorry, I've got to find it again. That 's all right that um, one of our regular um, people who calls in to the program and a long term member of the of the Victorian herb Society, Jill Bryant, died last week, um, so we won 't be hearing her on online anymore. Yeah. Um, Jill was a passionate, knowledgeable, and enthusiastic contributor to the herb society and to gardening more generally. Um, She was on the committee of the Herb Society for 38 years, which is just extraordinary. (laughs) Um, And for quite a while, she she set up and ran the website. Her favourite colours are purple, purple and, and, and a sort of rose pink. And that was what she used to wear all the time. And I actually did a talk for the Herb Society in February. And Jill was there, so um, I didn't realise that was the last time that I'd see her. So she's been an extraordinary woman in the in the gardening world and I just wanted to um, mark her her passing, her death. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and I just thought because the listeners to 3CR will have heard her ring in lots of time, I'm afraid you're not going to hear from her again.
0: Yeah, that's really valuable, Penny. Thank you so that's much right. for bringing that up because, it, I mean, what a contribution
1: to lose, but yeah. uh,
0: what a lovely woman to remember. Yes, indeed. yeah. yeah. And yeah well, condolences to her family and yes, friends Yes, of course. Yeah, most definitely.
1: And the Herb Society will miss her terribly. Mm, <laughs> yes. No doubt,
0: no doubt. Mm, thank you. Well, okay. after that sad news, we do have a text message. Um, Hi, team. Great show this morning. My ever-reliable cultivar, favourite tomito, planted early December, have done very well in my raised garden bed in Monturna. Uh, now removed but plentiful. Cheers from Adrian. So yeah, and one nice. of the
1: great things about growing heirloom tomatoes is that if you've, If any seed or tomatoes have dropped, you're going to get them self seeding and coming up next year. So, you know, some people I know don't actually plant tomatoes, they just wait till their self seeded ones come up. So, and Tommy Toe is a terrific, reliable compost. It loves self seeding as well. Yeah, and it does self seed. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Yeah, they they are great
0: great things to find in your compost heap as well. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah, I've got a couple of tomatoes in, in pots and um, they're actually some of the Dwarf Tomato Project oh, tomatoes, nice. but don't ask me what they are because okay. I won't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of them is reshooting. So Ooh, I'm going to leave it. The rest of it's died off, but yeah. it's got a really good, Super new, strong suit, cut, shoot coming from the Ooh. base of the plant. And because it's in a pot and in a fairly sheltered position, I'm going to see what happens it and see over-winter. whether I can get mm. overwinter it. Mm. I mean, in frosty areas, you can't do that. But we don't get frosts. Yeah, and this yeah. is on a first story deck. Yeah. So it may be warm enough to actually survive if it doesn't it succumb really to disease. Yeah. Yeah. Early tomatoes yeah. next year. So, yeah, well, possibly. I'll mm. give it a go anyway, mm. see what happens.
0: Yeah, and uh, you got to... Try some experimentation. Yeah, that's always. What, yeah, yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> what
1: keeps it fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, climate change is an appalling thing, um, but. I am now able to grow things that I haven't been able to grow in the past, and my yeah. two coffee trees are doing really well. Oh, nice, Penny! I haven't shown any signs of producing any yeah, flowers okay. or berries, but they're very happy. <laughs> oh, that's uh, you good. know, they've had a, enjoyed this summer with all the extra How's water and they, stuff. Penny? Well, they're, they're both in pots too. So, yeah. one of them is about one and a half meters, oh, and good. the other one's about a meter. You yeah. expect the the
2: bigger glossy ones, maybe glossy soon. leaves,
1: and yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So, you know, you just. You've got to um, take the benefits while you're sort of trying to deal with all the other, yes, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. all the repercussions. Maybe one more adapt at the end. Yeah, (laughs)
0: yeah. 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 Well, um, Mim takes it in, and she'd like to know the name of your book. Uh, Which one? Tomato. Tomato. (laughs) (laughs) No, so grow and feast. Feast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's a wonderful resource. So that's what we were referring to when we were talking about um the pests and diseases before.
1: Um, can I just say that as a result of things that have happened with our distributor, um you can fairly soon you will no longer be able to buy a tomato in bookshops. Oh. So but you can get it online from either Karen's website or
2: my website. Oh
1: well, that's good so, to know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: And you'll have it signed by the yes. authors, and actually, we're we're contributing a book uh, signed by t- by both of us yep. to the coming up three CR radiothon. So be ready, people. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, we're very yeah. grateful
0: that you've um, sent that or bought that in this Good morning. Good to support three CR. Yes, yeah, we Indeed. appreciate it yeah. very much. So, so you've brought in some other lovely uh, fruits this morning. A
2: persimmon. Persimmon. Yes. Yeah. yeah the last one. Of the year, and I didn't have any for about two or three years because I didn't—I was away a lot during that period, so it didn't help. But there was a change where uh, some kind person has been uh, relocating possums to our area in vast <laughs> quantities, and what mm. I didn't realise was that we didn't have very many possums before. Now we have vast quantities, but they like eating persimmons when they're small and green, oh, okay. and so what I need to do now is sleeve them, cover them in—you know. Nylon mesh Nesting. sleeves, yeah. mm. and I, I thought, well, I'll test it out, and if the sleeves get eaten through, it's rats. But no, mm. they didn't get eaten through, and that way, I'll actually have some persimmons. So I finally did get some persimmons <laughs> this, this year, year for the first yeah. time in years. So very treasured fruits, but very uh, so good delicious. strategy. Mm. I mean,
0: it's it's so important that you know when to to net and yeah. when to. Mm, yeah. yeah
2: Well, uh, unfortunately, it was when I was walking walking back from the coming back from a walk and thought, oh, there's persimmon bits on the ground. Oh no, they're all you know. So it's it begun, a a yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, but I managed to get some, and they, of course, they're the lovely um, non astringent variety, which means you can mm. eat them not that straight, that was, almost straight off the tree yeah, once firm. they're properly soft. And and yeah, even you can eat them too. firm or soft, which gives yeah. you much more flexibility of eating mm. style.
0: And even before you cut them open, they have a lovely aroma, mm. don't you think? Like, just and a, they're beautiful yeah. on the tree. Oh, divine. they're fabulous. Yeah. They're
2: probably the most beautiful mm. um, edible. Autumn foliage, Yeah. persimmon. Yeah. I like to. I put them in lots of front gardens for people. Um,
1: for people who haven't seen the botanic gardens in the um, sort of the vegetable garden part of the children's garden, they have persimmons along one of the fences oh, there, and oh, they'll be I think you mentioned, glorious. Jenny,
2: that they have espalier. I've never seen espalier glorious persimmons. Glorious must colour
1: look at this time of year. Gorgeous. So oh, they do look fantastic. Well, next time yeah.
0: I'm in, I'll have to. I've I've struggled
1: with persimmons because my soil's quite acidic and Uh. they they like alkaline soil. So is yours?
2: Um, Oh, I've got heavy clay. Yeah. They grow, they thrive in our area. There's massive monsters around the area that are just laden with fruits Mm. and I do sometimes Uh, think, should I knock on their door? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ask them them out. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Ask them if they need someone to donate their fruit to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we do have a lovely caller. We've got Olivia from Greensboro on the line. Hello. Uh, Hi, Olivia. Thanks for being patient with us. (laughs) That's
4: okay. Um, Can you hear an echo? No. no. No, no, It's just me. Um, They're lovely to hear such great gardening brains on this morning. Um, Thanks for the show. Pleasure. I just wanted to um, mention a couple of new varieties of tomatoes that I grew this year um, that I got from my local community garden. They were selling seedlings from McLeod Community Garden. Okay. Um, and uh, violet jasper and orange verna um, yep. did mm. really well. Uh, violet jasper was amazing, really nice um, medium size, um, with sort of blue, beautiful blue stripes, and, yep. but it did sort of succumb to the fruit fly at the end of the season okay, um yeah, but very, very prolific and tasty, and then the orange verna I just let grow sort of all over the ground and was even though it had quite hard skin, it was such a delicious tomato, like really sort of meaty mm. um but but I found the um fruit flies didn't go for it, which was great, okay. so they lasted yeah. a lot longer,
1: yeah, look it, it's um I'm. Feel really sad that you're in a fruit fruit fly area. Mm. Um, mm. Well, I don't well. Oh, first time this year. Yeah. 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 Um, Green Harvest does some really good bags for protecting mm. um, against fruit fly. If you're looking for um, something to help you next year, and the and the trapping and and um, um, the, some of the baits for fruit fly are, are pretty effective. These these yeah, days. Yeah, so, I did. I did use a, a,
4: a bait just to see to monitor. For yep. the- sort of males um, yep. and I got a, a few males but then mm. only sort of towards the very end of the it season the it end became of, a yeah. problem. Yeah, okay.
1: yeah. Uh, Look another tomato that works quite well against fruit fly is wapsa bikini peach. peach okay. be- because it's hairy.
4: Yeah, right. So,
1: it's a really it's an odd tomato. It has a really good flavor and mm, it's just fun so to lovely. grow because it's so totally different with its, its a, with its hairy skin. It's and a great so, you have to practice pronouncing it. Yeah, <laughs> yes,
0: I was just going to say it's such a great name. It is. W- it's
1: Wapsapikinian. Wapsapikinian Wopsa W-A-P-S-S-I. Oh, really Wapsapikinian. Where is that from? It's it's from the US and it was found it was found growing wild. Near the Wapsapikinian River, (laughs) which is why... It got that name, yeah. So When I we were doing that.
2: talks, I ha- I practiced for ages to get mm. that damn word right. So, yeah, <laughs> but not not um, diminishing your uh, issues. With, yeah, with no, but it's really alinea. interesting
1: to hear that Verna Orange is another one that <laughs> Yo, seems to be, be resistant. One. Yeah, mm. yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, and it's I'm in the
4: book. I'm not sure whether it was just sort of because it was on the ground and maybe a little bit hidden. Yeah, um, under yeah. the foliage, Usually but um, they managed also to find them, but yeah. also had a quite a, a, a tougher skin. So yeah. maybe. So, a, a lot of the, um,
2: the the Gondwana series that you'll find written about on the Dwarf Tomato Project website, and you can find sellers listed on that website. I, I was hoping to be a seller, but if you were listening earlier, my blue-banded bees put paid <laughs> mm. to that, so I need to have a different strategy with some more netting. But they, they seem to have quite good, a lot of them have good tough skins anyway, and um, there could be something to try as well. And any of the Great. mediums are good, all, all, most of the mediums. I also did try just bagging larger – I was growing some larger fruit, and this was not this year but last year. I tried just bagging with exclusion bags from the green tomato stage, and yeah. that seemed to keep them out, which I was really yeah. pleased about.
4: Yeah. They, I, I did go green. grow green zebra as well, and they didn't seem as attracted to green zebra, um, so they went through yeah. quite late in the season.
2: Mm, mm. but yeah try some of the um the to be to be honest i have to say i had one day in desperation because i was in a hurry i had some of the nylon shopping bags that you that you put your potatoes and your loose produce in and i just simply tied some of those around Mm. these big green fruit because i thought oh i've got to go and oh they'll be all they'll be destroyed and it was this beautiful variety from the Dwarf Tomato Project called, oh no, I've forgotten its name. Anyway, really large one, Wild Fred. Yes, very mm. tasty, mm. a beefsteak style one. Mm. And look, I just tied these things around and I pretty much got success, Olivia. No, so, no. I mean, not even with yeah. the rubber
1: bags. So. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so Verna
2: good. Orange comes from,
1: it's a, it's an American modern heirloom from Indiana and it was released yeah. in the USA in 1990. Um, and right. you can get seeds from Tasmanian natural garlic and tomatoes. i would
4: never seen a, a, such together. a large orange tomato. Yeah. Like I've, I've seen sort of cherries, but it's quite impressive.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's an, what they call an ox heart variety. So mm. it's quite meaty, yeah. which yeah. makes it a really good slicing tomato for sandwiches and th- those sorts of things. So, yeah. I might try that So too. thank you for mentioning that one Great. because I yeah, haven't grown it for quite a few years. I must try it again.
0: Thank you. Thanks for calling in, Liv. Lovely to yeah, chat. Yeah, thanks for that. Pleasure. See
4: thanks you. for the show. Bye. Good luck Bye. next season. <laughs>
1: yeah. And wispy foliage, apparently. So, oh, which is pretty. interesting. Yeah. Is like yeah. Silver yeah. fir or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I don't grow silver fir anymore, even though I love the foliage. But I think the flavour of the tomatoes oh, is not. I just tried good. it one year for an old. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, we have some text messages with uh, condolences for Jill. So we've got Vale Jill. Her absence has been missed from the gardening show recently. She was so passionate about herbs. Thanks for sharing, Penny, from Chloe. Um, Chloe Foster. Yep. Uh, so sorry to hear about Jill. Such, beautiful, such a beautiful contributor to the Herb Society and, of course, 3CR. Vail Jill, ev- ever loyal to Mother Earth. Condolences to Penny and to all her family and colleagues. Mim from Collingwood. Thank yeah. you so much, Thank everybody. you. That's really nice. Mm. Yeah, And we've got another caller on the line. Uh, we've got Robert from Mitcham uh, calling about talking about propagating tomatoes. Hello,
5: Hello. Robert. Yes, good morning all. Um, it's a, a question on tomatoes. Is, is it viable to propagate uh, the cherry tomato group by allowing them to uh, just dry out without cleaning the flesh off?
1: Um, I probably, I haven't ever tried it. So, so what you're saying is just leave the tomatoes to dry in a sort of sunny position with the seed in the tomatoes. I can't see any reason for not doing that.
2: Well, I'm only, I'm only thinking that in nature, when they do self-seed, they ferment somewhat sitting outside. So that gets rid of the flesh and that drops. So I reckon the flesh might discourage the it, seeds, Robert? Yeah,
1: I was just going to go on to say that the... You're thinking um, about it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Looking um out loud. The, anything that... Those small tomatoes self-seed pretty readily, and mm-hmm. yes, the chances are that they're going to be fine to do it that way. But one of the reasons why we ferment tomato seed is to get rid of some of the diseases that can collect in the coating around the seed, and... Um, and so for a few years, you might be able to do that, but then you might suddenly find that the seed are not viable because you've got problems with diseases. Um, oh. So I, by all means, if that's the easiest way for you to collect your seed, I'd give it a go. But um, if you've got time to to scrape them out and ferment
2: them, then it might be better to do that. Or at the very least, squish them onto some, some paper, paper so you get rid yeah. of a lot of the flesh. Because yeah. it also the flesh might just go mouldy too, it, it I'm could. thinking, if you yeah. don't dry them completely. Yeah and then yeah. that would But a bit of fermentation bit of is okay, as you've just oh, said. Sure. So yeah, it's yeah. a... Yeah, it, but not, you know, like the kind of mould, if you didn't dry them 100%. Yeah. You know, like to get a cherry tomato dry, mm. fully dry, mm. it's quite difficult because it's inside. Yes. You know, the yeah, The is locked inside. Yeah. yeah. Mm.
1: So...
5: Are they... Go. Are they likely, you know, the, the, the different coloured ones, are they likely to uh, go relatively crude to type...
1: It's going to depend how many blue banded bees you've got <laughs> in your garden. So <laughs> I've never seen
5: a blue banded bee in my life. Okay.
1: Well, <laughs> if you <laughs> haven't, then they well, probably are left 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 likely right. to stay true to type because mm-hmm. you mainly tomatoes are wind pollinated. Um, so they and they the the male and female parts are both inside the flower. So they just pollinate themselves with vibration, mm-hmm. um, and it's only when bees get in there or get involved or get the pollen out, that you get cross-pollination. So, so if you haven't got fine. blue-banded bees, yeah. you're probably fine. Mm. I see. There you, there you go. Can I ask something else? Sure.
5: Yeah. Uh, when and where was the talk on the Aboriginal uh, medicine?
2: Oh, that's on Thursday night online. So you have to find it by going to search on oh, Costa, Costa's Facebook or YouTube or Instagram page. The YouTube I found easier, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And it comes up there at just after 7pm.
0: Yeah, it's going to be uh, hosted live. So if you're on his page at that time, then it will come up and say that he's, he's gone live and you can click on that and it will take you to the stream.
2: But you can also watch it later. Yes. So if you didn't have a computer at home and couldn't go at that time, you could go to a no. library later and look at it on and and watch it later. There's mm. no problem watching it at another time. It'll be recorded. I'm not sure for how long, but I've, I've had friends say they watched last week's episode, so yeah. it'll yeah. be there for you to look at, Robert.
5: There you go. Thank you for that. But can I ask you just one more question?
2: Sure.
5: <laughs> <laughs> orchids. Once they've lost their main playlist stem. How can you propagate that? How can, how can you coax them to uh, throw another stem?
0: Uh, what I've done in the past is uh, keep that stem but just cut back to the next little budding node. Mm, um,
5: in, in, in the instance, the stem died back. Okay. You cut it back and the stem died back completely.
0: You can go to uh, your nearest gardening store and they will most likely have two different types of Phalaenopsis orchid um, fertiliser. There's fertiliser A and fertiliser B, and one of them is for flowering and one of them is more for foliage. So uh, I would purchase the one for flowering and follow the directions on that and you might get another stem, but uh, probably not over winter. So
5: I was just uh, looking on the shelf here and there's a... A couple of them have been sitting
6: here,
0: one that's been sitting there for years. Yeah. They do <laughs> live a long time, but there's certain um, – I think there's certain things that they put in this fertiliser. Now, whether it's hormones or whether it's uh, nutritional content, I I can't tell you, um, no. but but I have used this fertiliser in the past and it did work, so. There yeah. All
5: right, okay. We'll continue the grudge shows, as
0: always. <laughs> Thanks so much, Robert. Have a lovely morning.
2: Bye. Bye. Bye, Robert.
0: And we've got another caller, um, Liz from Seaford. Uh, she's calling. She has uh, had a piece knocked off her grevillea shrub and she would like to know how to manage the wound. She's also propagating the piece that was knocked off. So, Hello, Liz.
7: Oh, hello. How are you? Good, um, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, and, uh, well, the piece that uh, has been um, taken from the bush is a, probably what about um, two feet, and I've got, I've saved the blooms. I've put them in a, a bath of water, and they they're looking all right. And the um, actual cutting, well, it might be a bit late because what I've read, um, probably late summer, early autumn would have been a bit a bit better. But mm. I I have planted that, uh, trying to grow it. But from the wound on the actual bush that's still there. Do I just leave it and see what happens if will it regrow from there or do I put a bit of the hormone treatment on it?
0: Um I wouldn't put any hormone treatment on the wound. Uh best to let that heal up and if if it's starting to um weep or like it, it probably will have lost some sap, but to be honest that's not such a bad thing because it will kind of it will heal over time and that sap is there for a reason to
2: try and heal the wound. Um, just make sure the, um, just to jump in there, Emma, just make sure that the cut is clean. So if it was ripped off, you need to cut all those ragged edges off. It's really, really important to have more like a surgical cut. So cut back to the nearest node, Lizzie. Well,
7: is? It, it is a good, clean wound. Oh, okay, uh, okay. I, I wasn't sure whether just to leave it or... Um, um, you know, like I said, treat it with a bit of hormone. Mm. It's just that I've pruned natives before, and yes, they do come back um, readily. Well, this was just unexpected pruning, mm. I just mm. I thought, well, may, maybe it could help along a bit if I, I did put a bit of hormone on it, but you're suggesting that I just leave it and see
2: what happens. Yeah. Yep, I think that so. would be my... Because it would have already, already... I think it's within... 30 seconds or a minute that mm. where when a plant's been cut, that that it, se- that it seals off that area anyway. Mm. And anything that happens later is just if it didn't seal off well, if the cut wasn't clean or et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. it's, mm. already, it's already done what it's done. And the hormone treatments are generally mm. used to promote rooting on cuttings. And so it's oh, um, the wrong application for a hormone Yeah, well, that's,
7: that's, uh, so I wasn't sure if that would be helpful or not. No. So at yeah. I'll just leave it as it is. It's just yep me, looking at
2: the bush, it looks like a bit gappy at the moment, not the yeah. right shape. Yeah. We well, could prune uh, it to even it up. Yeah. But it was a good I'll, I'll question.
7: It, it will, will, will regrow again, I'm sure, and I'll just uh, let it um, lead the way, you know, what it wants done.
1: Yeah, mm. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Thank I'll you. Help.
7: Thanks, Bye. Liz.
0: Bye.
1: Can I talk about these? Yes. What have we got? Oh, well, it's this time of year. I mean, when you're planting garlic, it's also oh. time, this isn't garlic, oh. to be planting weird onions. Oh. So um, these Very are the...
0: little.
1: These are the bulbs from tree onions.
0: And they look like sort of like a star, like they're...
1: Well, the, yeah, yeah. So tree onions grow proper bulbs down mm-hmm. the bottom, except they're long, slender bulbs, more like the shape of shallots rather than the flat onions than we're more used to. Um, they they grow a big bunch of leaves above the above the bulbs, and then they're called tree onions because there is a central um, stem that comes up, and at the top it grows out little leaves, typical onion leaves, and at the end of them, these bulbels. Um, so the these flower? are tree onion. There's no flower. There's it really grows no. bulbs instead of a flower. Huh. Um, Interesting. And this is an old-fashioned onion which used to be grown all over the world and it's slowly disappearing. So it's a tree onion, walking onion is its other name because if you don't pick the bulbs, the whole top falls over and walks gradually across your garden. Egyptian walking onion, there's a whole lot of different names for it, but Mm. it is well worth putting into your garden so that you have onions all year round. I have a friend who is of Greek Cypriot background, and her father grew these all his life. He never planted other onions, and she grows them as well, and um, she just has a crop of them and has onions all year round. So it, it is It is if you can get hold of bobbles and now is the time when you would be seeing them for sale. So Diggers sometimes has some for sale um, and there are green other... Green Harvest maybe? Green Harvest mm. probably. Um, there's one, there's a Tasmanian company that I'm pretty sure does them, I just I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but if you put in um, Egyptian onions, walking onions, or tree onions, mm. you will find who's who's selling them. Um, and they're now from now into sort of June July is when you plant them. Um, you could also look for potato onions, and they're called potato onions because instead of growing up on the surface, um, they grow. You've got to plant them under the soil. And they grow grow under the soil like potatoes. Um, and they multiply as well. So, you know, there is some, and as well as some of the traditional shallots too. So they're, they all go in at this time of year. So have a look around for some of the unusual unusual onions. So. Mm.
0: Yeah, they look wonderful. They look like they would be quite aesthetically pleasing in the garden as they, well. They're
1: fantastic just to have in the
0: garden. Yeah. I mean, it's
2: a, beautiful. And they oh. They look great. I was trying to find from an old Green Harvest order what this more unusual onion – I have struggled to grow those. They love your acidic sunny soil because my friend in Tassie who works at Botanic, she grows these in her garden, so I've lots of times brought a little bit back, can't get them growing. However, I have bought from – just to try them out – from Green Harvest, Rakio Onion Plant, R-A-K-K-Y-O. And so far, they've been in the establishment looking at interesting, mm. yes, I must get around to trying them, but they've, they've gone through a full season or so, and they've been really productive. Okay. And they're, I think they are... Rakyo original. comes
1: originally from Japan. And right. in my original garlic book, Garlic and Friends, yes, right. um, there's a whole thing about rakio. Oh, well, I'll just have to so... go home and read it. But
2: yeah, they <laughs> appear to be multiplying onions, yeah, am I correct? Yeah, So, so I'm hoping that they'll be a year-round They're
1: onion. in the Allium family. I, when I first wrote about them, I'm not sure that they are actually called onions because I think in Japan they were called rakio. So, mm. I mean, obviously with their importation into... Australia, people are identifying them as onions, but I, I think strictly they're, they're maybe not onions because they're not sort of related to the Allium SEPA group. They actually have a different botanical name altogether. But when you're yeah. a... Yeah, Whatever but there's, is there's the certainly edible an person, edible elements, yeah. edible aliens. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I'm looking
2: forward to yeah, because I'm okay. looking at them growing really vigorously. Thinking, and I think they've got wow, quite they nice, like it here.
1: nice flowers as well.
2: Oh, uh, they, they, they didn't flower. They didn't flower, and then okay. they just died down. So I've, okay. I've, like I said, I've been in this observing phase. But they, yeah. you can see that they've multiplied because yeah. each little tiny spot that I planted one has now like 20 shoots coming mm. out of it. So I'm thinking, mm. well, that's really positive.
0: And they, are they a normal-sized onion or are they they're miniature? They're smaller, but
2: they're bigger than the walking onions that Penny's yeah. showing. Bit, you maybe know.
0: like a shallot.
2: Yeah, they're they're reasonable What, bigger than size.
1: the tree onion bulbs? Beg your pardon? Bigger than the tree onion bulbs because yeah. oh, the bulbs no, are big. not quite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. in okay. between, it's but only a reasonable the, size. It's only the yeah. bulbs on the top. Yeah, like a large
2: small. cherry tomato, let's say okay. that. Okay, all right, <laughs> yep. It's yeah. Just good that sounds yeah.
0: right. Mm. Yeah. Well, they sound really wonderful. Mm. I'm keen to try some of them.
1: And perennial leeks you should look at for as well. Yeah, I love growing those perennial leeks as well. And
2: of course, they grow big in your lovely sandy yeah. soil. They grow smaller for me, but I actually for years garden
1: grow them. Sorry? My saw's not sandy, it's clay.
2: Oh, oh, okay. oh okay. wait. Just oh, because well, we're the near city. the beach, it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah, it's, I've yeah, got yeah, acidic yeah. clay. I haven't
0: dug yeah. in your garden pen yeah. in, in my defence. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> we yeah. do have a text message. Um, hello, gardening team. What's the best way to attract blue-banded bees to the garden?
1: Thank you, Lizzie in Geelong. On um, onions? Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, look, just Diversity. Diversity yeah. in your garden and they 'll come, but you they 're making their way south, mm. so you know they weren 't in Victoria ten years ago, but because of the warming climate, they yeah. are heading heading south, so it's, at some point they will just turn up in your garden yeah. but but if you want a diversity of um, native insects, create lots of diversity both in Spaces and nesting sites, and um, trees and flowers and the times of flowering, well. and make mm. sure you've got water in the garden. If you want to get some of the burrowing bees, you need to have, make sure that you've got open ground that mm. the whole garden isn't mulched. A little about, um, um, about a meter by a meter, roughly, yeah, in an average yeah, garden is yeah. good to have. And if you've got clay soil, they love it because that's what they burrow into. So, seem to. so, you know, and well. and. Just, but really, it's all about diversity. So, I have yeah. seen blue banded
2: bees go to well, on my nature strip garden, but now I haven't seen them for a while. They apparently only forage within about a 50 metre radius mm. of their little burrow, <laughs> so to speak. Mm. Uh, and they came to the agastache flowers, and they seem to like the really long tubular flowers that honeybees can't often access, or honeybees might go to the base of them to try and mm. get into the base to get some nectar. But the blue banded bees seem to love. You know, salvias and agastaches, and well, in country Victoria, they're going crazy for Solanaceae, including some wild, uh, not so nice, like some weedy potato bush that I'm gradually getting rid of. But mm-hmm. they're attracted to that, and then they move into the tomatoes. So I've depend- seen them enjoy
0: them. like the Wallenbergia communist oh, little native nice. mm-hmm. bluebells, nice. they seem to like those mm-hmm.
2: quite a bit. Oh. Mm. Um, Good information, yeah, because they're such yeah. a beautiful flower to grow, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: Yeah. I just got a text message from Tim, from Diggers, mm. and he says they've got potato <laughs> onions and shallots oh, good. for sale right now if excellent. you're looking for them. Oh, oh, thanks, Tim. Sorry. Yes.
0: <laughs> we love to hear it. And,
1: yes. Uh, so good. I love, I love our listeners because they always <laughs> have the answer to the yeah. problem if we don't know them. But yeah. we did mention Diggers. Sorry. Yes. yes,
0: very well done. Now we've got another caller, Max from Thornbury. He's got a question about rust on his mint plant.
6: Um, Hi Max th- Yeah, Hello, thank you um, Yes, I've got a um, mint growing in the garden and it's affected by rust um, and it's gradually growing and, and killing it basically at least the edible parts so I'm wondering um, what approach you'd have to dealing with that
1: um, Do you know what mint it is?
6: Um, look, it's Look, it's just some uh, the the sort of standard Anglo mint. <laughs> um, okay, I don't so the, know. it's a
1: spearmint. You know, does it have a spearminty flavour or pepperminty flavour? No, flavor or no a, it
6: does It's a um, it's, yeah, it's A like
1: it's, common mint. Yeah, some yeah, mints are common, more susceptible yeah. to rust than others. Mm. So, oh, okay. um, sometimes yeah. it's better to just pull the whole thing out and plant something else. Mm. Right, um, but you, you can try um, milk. On it, so a one mm-hmm. to ten mixture of um, water to uh, full cream milk. Okay. Um, yep. Is it very wet?
0: Like, is the yeah. soil around it but always the thing damp?
1: Is, mint does, usually doesn't mind wet soil. No, so, not usually. But but if it if it's wet, um, really soggy, then mm. it, but. The problem is once the rust gets in there, it can be quite hard to get rid of it. So, because it goes into the soil. Can I
2: offer that I do get rust on my Mm. spearmint peppermint, and not so much on the average garden mint, Mm. but Mm. on like a regular culinary mint. But I just manage it by yeah, picking off. Like Penny mentioned Mm. before, if you were I don't know if you're listening earlier. robert no sorry Um oh, no we've lost your name sorry i, I I've lost didn't your name. hear that oh no no um, i'm not yep. sure whether you were listening earlier when penny was talking about picking mildew off plant picking mildew leaves off plants as early so as that possible so it doesn't spread so it doesn't spread yeah. but yeah. what right. i do is right. just let my mint grow and then i'll harvest a whole lot when it's fresh and nice well before christmas because about christmas time the the rust starts and then I get some problems, and then I cut it all down in winter, and then mm. and put it in the green waste, and then I, I always get some to harvest each year. So, yeah. or otherwise, so you, can, seed, you can take it you can sort again. of manage it. But yeah, it seems to be manageable. Yeah, the, yeah. the other the other one um, it,
1: that you can use is the um, potassium spray, which is from Eco oh, Organic. Okay. Right. So that oh, okay. that will help as well. So we're doing a bit right. of both. Um, you know, mm. I'd be I'd be cutting it back, um, getting the worst yep. of the rust off. I, cool. I actually wouldn't put it in my compost because the, no, the rust the will then spread. Waste, yeah. yeah, so put it in the green waste um, and, and um, yeah, give it a bit of a spray either with, with the milk or with the potassium-based
2: eco-organic Also, picking product. up... Little Echo drop fungicide. In, the dropping the leaves that have dropped. Mm. It was really important and mm. getting yeah. them out of the area because they'll yeah. overwinter and stay. And and I would actually then, then perhaps
1: think about moving it to a different spot because there mm. will probably yeah. be rust in the soil, rust spores in really the soil, to get rid of, um, yeah. and
2: they will come back the following year. Oh, you Sorry. could also, as an extra thing, we've got lots of tactics for you mint here. Is you mm. could use liquid seaweed spray in mm. uh, uh, as a as a um, Fertilizer in um, the growing season because that helps the cell walls grow a bit thicker. So you mm. might find that helps a little bit. Yeah, mm. oh, yeah. Okay. that helps right. with black spot on ro-
1: roses. Oh, okay, so, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, It's well, worth trying okay. all those all those things. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah.
6: thank, thank you. Yeah, like previously I last year the same thing happened and I cut it right back to ground level, mm. um, and then fertilized it with manure and compost. and yep. When it grew back, it was grew back. It was Healthy, um, yeah. but you know, more recently the the rust has been coming back. So,
3: yeah.
6: wanting to try and break that um, break that cycle, cycle. yeah. If well, look, possible. Um, uh, you yeah. know,
1: cutting a <clears throat> cut, if you've got a healthy bit mm. or a healthy root, um, you know, move it into a pot or somewhere else, um, mm. and see if you can um, get a get one growing that doesn't have any spores in the soil, mm. right. So, yeah, okay. I tried a few different things if you want to be like able Penny's to use it. Yeah. Sounds the best. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, look, thanks very much. That's, that's all right. That's
6: Good really luck. really helpful. Yeah, mm. <laughs> thank you. Yep. Thanks, Matt. Okay. All right,
2: bye. thanks. Yeah, bye-bye. Oh, ta I suppose it's harder. Like, I mean, I can manage that tactic with spearmint and peppermint because I'm wanting them dried predominantly. Mm. I okay. use them fresh a bit, but mainly mm. I just harvest them and dry them. Okay. Mm. And then when they get all, all rusty, I yeah. just you know you don't, worry, like about don't worry about it. Yeah. But with culinary mint you want it mm. fresh all the time, so mm. it doesn't really work that way, does mm. it? Mm. Yeah. Um
1: look they're pretty tough plants and, yeah. and but you do need to just keep the keep keep it under control mm. if you can. Mm. And mm. I find that mints like de Cologne mint that have a sort of finer leaf are more prone to okay. rust and fungal disease problems than mm. than some mm. of the other mints mm. that are, have a tougher Spray, I don't know if you do test spray the so that's yeah. really good. Yeah. Good to know. Echo organic mm. is mm. uh, eco fungicide. Mm. Is a oh, that's is what a it potassium is, based right, spray. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. We've had a caller or um, a listener text in um, Sarah from Blackburn and she was Wanting us to talk about powdery mildew again, so I think the potassium spray would be quite useful in
1: with yeah. powdery mildew as yes. well. Yeah. Um, so but... if you, it depends what plant you've got it on. So if you've mm. got powdery mildew now on zucchinis and pumpkins. Mm. Just pull your plants out because it's the the end end of of the season. season, It's a natural senescence Mm. and it's time Mm. for, you know, they're finished and Mm. and you replant them, you know, plant them again in spring. Um, But if you've got it on something else that is a perennial, then you will need to deal with it. Um, Mm. it, You do get it on grapevines. And if you see that in spring, then you do need to remove the leaves that Mm. have it badly and, and, Probably spray other parts with something like potassium or, yeah. or the milk, or milk spray. spray, spray I've used that is good. grapes. So they yes. had terrible powdery mildew, yeah. and
2: one spray. Yeah. early in the season, I didn't get yeah. any milk spray at so, or any so, mildew at all. Yeah, you know,
1: I'm a real procrastinator in the garden, but the one thing I don't procrastinate with is fungal diseases, because mm-hmm. if you deal with them quickly, the problem often goes away. Whereas yeah. if you leave it, so that it spreads right through the plant and the spores get into the soil, mm-hmm. you have an ongoing problem. Sonic. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's important, especially for things like
0: bulbs and mm. um, dahlia um, tubers. If you get mildew in them, and it's it's really like into the bulb or the tuber, um, it's it almost too yeah, it's yeah. almost too late. You mm. almost like so if you get mildew on your dahlias, definitely treat it as soon mm. as you see it.
2: Good morning. Yeah,
0: that's more for ornamental things, but I think it's very true for your uh, food-producing plants too. Right. uh, Yeah, we've got some beautiful Fajoras here that Karen brought in.
2: Speaking of, yeah. Yeah. Oh, whoops. No, one of them's um, got, I was going to say one of them's got Possum claw marks. Oh, it we trying yeah. to grab it, and then oh, it fell out of its little yeah. paws it's onto the ground. Good that,
0: <laughs> it's pretty good that these fajos are quite robust, though. You know, like mm. the possums. The possums would go for them, but probably. yeah,
2: but you still get you still get um, mm. the problem this year because of the abundance of possums. Sudden abundance of possums. Was that um, they knocked a lot of the my smaller fruits down yeah. before they ripen properly? Mm. So that was a bit annoying. That is, um, but usually I get twenty kilos a year. So, so what do you do with them? Yeah. I eat them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I get really big ones, I also dehydrate them. So I, I, okay. um, I peel you. the. I I don't um, I don't scoop it out. I very carefully peel the outside because it's so jelly-like inside. Mm. So I only do it with the really big fruits like this, which is like say. The sixty to seventy mil long or something. Yeah. And I get yeah. quite a lot of big ones. And so peeling the even though the outside flesh is edible, it's very bitter. Um yeah. So I got got a vegetable knife and just peel that. It's a bit time consuming. And mm. then slice. And then that's a knife. That's you have a little bit of skin on the outside to hold the jelly like mm. stuff inside, inside. firmly. Yeah. And then I put nice little slices mm. on my dehydrator and dry. and you eat them dried. Yeah. That yeah the dried foragers are amazing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I and just, just give them you away. Think- yeah, yeah, I do. And actually, I just made up some last leftover with some of my my mum's ripening Granny Smith apples just starting mm. and the Fajoas just finishing. So there was a whole lot of Fajoas where there were just bits and pieces that were good and the rest was a bit yucky from, you know, its journey from possum to ground. And goodness <laughs> knows yeah. what else happened to the whole thing. So I just scooped out all the good bits and put them into a pot with fruit and some apple juice. Oh, sorry, with apple juice. Um, cut up apple and apple juice, and they were they're just delicious. Mm. So that's quite nice because mm. they're strong stewed. So with apple, mm. it's quite nice. Okay.
0: And how do you grow them? Like, are there any special tips? Do you feed them annually, or are they quite self sufficient?
2: <laughs> they the fruit that I would say is the. the so we're talking about changing climate, you know, mm. all the time, and or but especially you know earlier today, Penny was mentioning it. And for joas going forward, when we have years where we don't have as much rain, because we're going to get these more severe extremes of you know a lot of rain, then not then mm. you know heading into El Nino again eventually. Mm. Uh, for joas are great because mm. they fruit with the least amount of watering yeah. of any fruiting plant that mm. I've ever come across, maybe except maybe olives. But, and they can yeah, take the heat. They, they like they the They love sun. heat. Yeah. I planted them in my driveway just because other things died and I thought, oh, they look reasonably, they look like they could be ornamental. I'll just put some in there because I'll survive. Yeah. And I found them to be really, really fun. Actually, I've got a, um, now have I put that YouTube video up now? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think so. Uh, I pleached them in the end because they got, they got so, th- they started off as espaliers and they eventually get thicker and thicker so then they're a, a thick hedge and very tall and very wobbly like about five metres high <laughs> and they sort of wobble and move around in the wind and, and moves the fence with them and so then there, there were complaints from other users of the driveway let's say and so- <laughs> I often get told driveways are for cars, not plants. But oh, that's not it. <laughs> yes. That's, that's an engineer's statement. Plant lovers. That's an enge- yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's what I have to deal with, Emma. Yeah. Penny. That's anyway. rough. <laughs> but the engineer, you know, in his defence does build me lots of plant... Um, protection oh, and good. You know, he so does lots of lovely things you do phones. collaborate yeah, occasionally <laughs> <like>. <laughs> yes yeah anyhow in a gesture of so, of friendship towards uh, <laughs> the engineering aspect of the household I um, pl- decided I'd pleach the like trim all the bottom foliage off mm. and so that reduced that harvest in that area by half but there's so many it doesn't matter mm. I give it a lot away to the neighborhood mm. I have to say too and do they
1: hide when they see you coming
2: <laughs> the, the neighbors. No, no, no. They're, there's some people who really love them. Got open arms. And I put a share basket at the front as well. Well, someone was telling me that the, the local places were selling them for $2 a fruit recently. Mm. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And the, oh, the local ice cream place. You know gelati. They um, they're always happy to have Fajoa's. Mm. Um, Inflation, mm. yeah, yeah. Fijowas, so they, they get Fijowas, Put they make them into ice cream. So mm. there's abu- there's abundance of places will use them. If you get really desperate, taking food swaps. And they do um,
0: have a lovely flower as well, oh, even before And you can eat the flower. Yeah, oh. I mean very the flowers are edible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. pretty. Yeah. You put them decorate a cake mm. with them. The petals or... are
2: very um, quite thick, and so they they do. Like if you pluck them off, so some petals like the Wallenbergia, the native bluebell, is so delicate, yeah. you have to be so careful with them. But Fujoa petals are really robust, mm. that's the word I'm looking yeah. for. Mm. Yeah, no, they're great. And very flavoursome. I have to Ooh. confess
1: that I have a Fajoa tree that has never produced a fruit. Oh. So you do Something need to be a little bit, no, I don't think it's anything to do with the soil. I think mm. there are cultivars that are grown to produce fruit and there are
2: others that just don't produce fruit can I give my because um, yeah, I get asked this can, question all yeah, the time okay. because I'm always speaking about Joas so I've gradually pieced together what I think is happening and also because mm. consulting and things like mm. that um, they are one of those plants that they seem to be one of those plants that they will fruit singly and under mm. trees so we've got one in Shepherd mm. and it's doing oh, country Victoria it's doing that but that's not normal. They, they prefer to be in full sun, so that's the mm. first thing. Mm. But they also do like to have a friend. So I've got no cult, I've only got a cultivar in the back as a big tree and five Seloiana, no cultivars in the front, but okay. they're all together. And yep. there's something about that cross-pollination that happens with blueberries and with midgen berries. Okay. They don't, strictly speaking, need a cross-pollinator, but they do seem to fruit better with more than one plant grown together, even if you've just got two small mm. ones growing. Yeah, look, I've it's been something about it. I don't know why. I've
1: got there is a, a it just a little bit down the road that drops all its fruit on the ground, and yeah. so I go and collect all of that yeah, and yeah. use use those. But so I haven't got around to planting one next to it. But that, that has been helps. on my on yeah. my radar. There's another But I've I'd got, hate to end up with two that. Um, Produce no, 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 no! Just
2: get a cultivar. But that, no, I had a friend who's got that in her garden. She's, ha- and it was always, oh, the blackbirds are eating too many of the flowers. But they in New Zealand, the commercial industry relies on blackbirds apparently to pollinate okay. because as they're plucking the petals, they P- pollinate. Take the, the pollen from yeah, the yeah, yeah from the stamens. So, yeah. Blackbirds are good for something. I found out yeah. something else that blackbirds are good for, just as a, a complete aside. Do you tell? Yeah, yeah, I know. Do you tell? Yeah. Is that apparently if you have too many slaters in your garden, which can, even though they're benign mm. mm. um, decomposers usually, they can, like they did for us, cause build up in large proportions in the mm. straw mulch yeah. and yeah. destroy every seedling that we'd put in at uh, night. Oh, yes, night.
0: they will. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, they um, apparently blackbirds eat slaters. Love the slaters. Yeah, so mm, there you go. very good.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, when there's an imbalance, it's good to know there's something to level it out.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Not sure that I want to um, promote blackbirds for that reason. No, but there you but go. It's I mean, they're fact... either there or they're not there and they yeah. do yeah. sing
0: yeah. beautifully. The singing is the, the, singing is the really winning that's... part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's a good reminder that everything has its place. Yes. And that we yeah. can't yeah. control everything either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've got some text messages. Um Mim has texted in and asked, uh, Clematis that has powdery mildew, Mm. would we say milk or
1: potassium spray? I'd always start with milk.
0: Yeah. Just give it a go because you've probably got it in the fridge anyway. And then you don't Mm. have to go out and buy another product.
1: So. And, and take off the leaves of the worst worst mm. of it because they're going to fall off. Soon. Yeah, so. unless it's an yeah.
0: evergreen one, it's a good time of year to tr- mm. give it a trim back regardless mm. of um, what you spray
1: it with. Yeah, and just, uh, you know, the other thing with, with fungal diseases is to open up the area a bit so there's a bit more air movement coming mm. through. So, Very important. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, we've got a question about what is the best variety of Fejoa that we'd recommend? I, I don't actually, know by yeah. <laughs> name,
2: so you know, you'll um, have to... I, I've been growing a variety called Mammoth for quite a long time mm. and that, uh, that's that been really reliable. Mm. Is that, this
0: what you've brought in today?
2: That is one that is mammoth? just a Solowiana, kind yeah. of, it's, just, it's just a seedling. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. de- yeah, definitely put two in, that's, a, that's the definite yeah. that I would say. And the other thing that I have good success with is that inadvertently because I need to keep the space, I have to cut mine back very hard every mm-hmm. year and I know that as they get bigger and bigger and become very ornamental trees, very beautiful, a bit like a crepe myrtle almost mm-hmm. with their bark, they don't fruit very well like that. So you either have a beautiful big ornamental tree, in, you know, in 25 years' time because they're slow growing, or you have a hard pruned, with its friend next to it, successfully fruiting. fruiting so they variety. respond
0: quite well to pruning They there. seem to yeah. really yeah. Well. Yeah. well. That's yeah. good. And would you say, like, what's the lifespan of a Fejoa? Oh, like, goodness.
2: 50 or 100 years at a rough guess, but I I haven't lived long enough to tell you yet, Emma. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's fair (laughs) enough. But, yeah, I'd say roughly. that. They they are very beautiful when they're big and old, but you never see fruits. You don't see many fruits on those. Yeah. Mm.
0: Oh, that's very interesting. They're really pretty. Mm. Yeah, I think they are a beautiful, beautiful tree. We've got a caller, Kim from Reservoir. She's got a question about pistachios. Um, Hi, Kim. I've got a couple of quick.
4: About
2: the pistachios, sure. Um, one is, where on earth do you get them, and why are they so blessed expensive? <laughs> um, I believe they're difficult to graft. I haven't grafted them, but yeah. they you can get them currently from Perry's Fruit and Nut mm. in uh, South Australia because yep. I've seen them on their stock list recently. And I think Dailies also has some at the moment. Sometimes you can get them from diggers too. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and is there any tricks to growing them? Because I yes, <laughs> yeah, I saw them recently.
8: I was on a trip a little bit north of Bendigo, and they looked fantastic. They're beautiful they're trees. Such, yeah, and they weren't a large nut tree. Like it was something no. I'm not of the. No.
0: Yeah, I yes, think so they're so only I, like two meters by two. Like they're oh, more of a large. They'll, they'll shrub. get
2: to five by five, but okay. Okay, I've got them on my. I've got two fruiting pairs on my through two fruiting pairs of pistachios on my mm. nature's trip garden. And they they take about seven years to fruit. You do need a male and a female, so make yep. sure you buy those grafted plants. You know, make sure you label them so you know what's happening if you lose one. And yep. you can plant them as a duo, which is a uh, an idea that Flemings Nursery developed years ago. So that means you plant them because they're a smaller growing tree about thirty centimeters apart, and then yep. they grow up into one canopy and. They're wind pollinated, so do make sure you put the male with the pollen on the side that, that uh, where the um, prevailing wind, wind the prevailing comes wind from. yeah, mm. so that they'll blow the wind blow the pollen into the female. Mm. And oh, cool. what else? Gosh, they, you've got we...
0: lots of good information. It's quite technical. Yeah,
1: well, the Karen's pistachio. been growing these pistachios yeah. for, time, for years, yeah. so she's the person to yeah. ask. And I do yeah.
2: have um, I do have them I've, uh, videos of them on my Karen Sutherland YouTube channel, and I have to say oh, it can... is that is the most popular video oh. I have a zillion followers from all sorts of uh, all around the world because oh. of the pistachio <laughs> video. Yeah. I never, ever thought that that you – know, yeah, it's really funny anyway. Oh, you've, you've – uh, It's very funny.
0: Got a good topic then that people mm. are keen it on. It was
2: accidental. I just, you know, did a video yeah. of them because I love them. Yeah. Oh, and the one thing to remember when you finally do get some fruit, some nuts from them, is that you can eat them fresh from the tree – and they are ready when the you kind of feel the skin, the outer skin between your thumb and first finger. And when it starts to slip a little bit, mm. then it's ripe. And also they get a beautiful pink blush. People are always asking me, what's that pretty tree? What You know, I love mm. the leaves. Mm. It's a really, really pretty tree to look yeah. at.
0: And it's gorgeous. Like the nuts are just gorgeous when they start oh, to form delicious. because they're... They're just beautiful colours, the but pink it's and sort the of green. like a gradient of green Gorgeous. to pink
2: at the end. They're just... But what I was going to mention was that there's quite a dangerous mould that – I've forgotten the name of it now uh, – blah, 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 toxin. You can Google it anyway. So you do yep. need to – if you're going to grow them, you need to either just eat them fresh off the tree – or look into. You need to go through the process of drying them or boiling them in salted water. There's various processing methods, mm. and you have to do that. A bit like olives, although they're not poisonous, but you know you have to process olives. You know, within a day or two of picking them, and you must do that with pistachios, or okay. you can get quite sick. So that's something to be aware of. That's different yeah, to other I think, nuts.
8: Yeah, I think what what I was sort of surprised at is when I actually saw these trees, it was sort of in a um, disused. Um, school kitchen garden Mm -hmm. where i was walking my dog and i and there was so i was just sitting in there eating them all (laughs) and i thought they're such a beautiful tree and you know and they seem to be a lot more accessible than a big macadamia or a big walnut or something like that and i just can't get over that there's not that there's hardly any of them and trying to find them Mm -hmm. and i was sort of all up near the Riverina last weekend, where a lot are grown, and everyone's like, "Oh no, very hard to get." Oh, they're about 100 a hundred bucks, you know, yeah, a pop. Yeah, and, and I'm like, "Wow!" I'm just sort of like, I can't believe people aren't getting into growing them more. Mm. But anyway, they're um, a good. also, mm.
2: yeah, I was just um, going to say they're a good climate ready plant because they will be growing better even in Melbourne in as the climate gets hotter and drier. Oh, mm. fantastic! And, <laughs> and back to the
8: tomato survey. I um, there's two, two things on that. Um, I listen to another radio station. It is the ABC, so hopefully I can say that. (laughs)
3: Um,
8: And on the the, the Adelaide Talkback Gardening Show, and John Lamley every year does a tomato survey. Yeah,
1: I get his newsletter. He has a terrific newsletter. It's
8: fantastic, isn't it? So he's got heaps there of what grew well. And like an earlier caller, I had um, a couple of um, seedlings from McLeod Garden as well, and mine was that yellow teardrop sort of... um, Yep. Cherry tomato—that just is complete another utter neglect, except from a dog knocking it over all the yeah. time. And that was literally producing until about two weeks ago. Yep, yeah,
1: yeah. No, yeah so that, that
8: was absolutely fantastic.
1: Well done. Yeah, it's all right. Thank you for well, the th- feedback. Thank you for that about the pistachios and yeah. happy gardening.
2: Yeah, yeah, do, do buy you. some because they are—they're really rewarding. They're <coughs> yeah. lovely. They really are. Mm-hmm. I will. I'll, I'll, I'll track them down and get some.
8: I'll, I'll put it down for my birthday.
1: Yeah good, from the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, good idea. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Bye. So I've um, I've bought hazelnuts for the oh, first time. Nice. So I'm going to have a go at growing hazelnuts. Yeah. See whether I can. I Painfully think I think it chilling. probably won't get enough chill, yeah, but I'm yeah. going to give it a go because yeah. mm. I I love them and they don't get too big. They're another one another nut that doesn't get too big. Yeah, they can you can keep...
2: get to five metres yeah, or Yeah, so. but you can also yeah, keep yeah. them down as yes, a, yeah, as a true, clump. True, true, true. Um, but yeah. that's
1: another one where you need to get to for cross-pollination. Or even, so um, actually, there's actually a really like, good
2: hazelnut time. nursery. I can pass on mm. the details to you later and if people are interested. Yeah. I can, um Yeah, there's a nursery because, uh, I looked into this once, There's uh, there was a hazelnut growing trial because a lot mm. of the, you may already know this, Penny, I don't no. know, but the... Um, the hazelnut varieties when when they first sort of introduced them into australia they used varieties that worked in europe or north yeah. america and they just didn't succeed here and so no one really mm. people would grow them and nothing would happen mm. and then there was a whole there was a trial that happened mm. and i met one of the participants down in tasmania he yep. was a chocolate maker yeah and he, he had had a hazelnut nursery but then he'd gone into chocolate making and he used his hazelnuts oh, okay, in, the in the chocolate on the just south i of love Hobart. your stories yeah. they're great <laughs> so there's this is random person that yeah. and i met on the way to yeah. bruning island and Oh, okay. Tell us more. (laughs) Can we please visit your hazelnut? Um, orchard, and yeah. so he gave us a direction, and so we ran around and just stood there excitedly looking at these. Again, only mm. just lovely three to five metre high by wide trees, like depending on the variety. Mm. And we just stood there in hazelnut bliss, looking at that. Because yes, trained up to single trees. Yeah, really, so, really So unusual. they can
1: sucker and grow into clumps. Yes, so that's normally. one way of growing yeah, them. Normally, a friend of mine in Ballarat had one for years
2: and years and years as a and, as a suckering clump. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how you normally see them. But this yep. guy had trained them up into. To, oh, I up into single trees. Truth, yeah. And so you can do that. Yeah, but the, he was part of this um, Australia trial. Ride trial. And, yeah. yeah, so they came up with these varieties and now that's what are sold, sold more yeah. and there's the idea that you need at least three varieties that's the minimum yeah. at five preferably but you need to study which ones okay well i together. i've so, i've yeah. got
1: two and before tim texts me i got them from diggers
2: oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i can always pass on so, the details yeah, and the had booklet they had four the different
1: cultivars oh nice yeah, so, yeah yeah mm, yeah mm, but lovely. i'm just going to try two yeah, good okay. yeah. i hope you go well yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah, I probably won't. Probably From won't chilling. succeed, but yeah, we'll know. see. We'll start, start trying the to grow
0: pistachios and, and hazelnuts. hazelnuts oh, I'm and, very yeah. excited about this yeah. idea.
1: Well, you just never know with the weird climate that we have. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: We have a text message. Um a lovely person said they went to the book sale at the herbarium yesterday and all the books are $2 each. So oh, they bought $20. Wow. That's incredible. So, yes. Good if you're them. inspired to go to the book sale, I'll say it again. It's the at the Royal Botanic Gardens at the herbarium. Enter via... Um, what was formerly known as Gate F.
1: Yeah, it's uh, easy to see because it's yeah. just down the side of the herbarium and you just go in the gate next yeah. to the herbarium and, and it's there. Yeah, so, it's a lovely,
0: it's a lovely spot. it's a great
1: hall too. Yeah, it's yeah. a
0: beautiful part of the garden. Then you can walk out and see mm. the, the oak lawn and, mm. yeah, have a wander around the garden what's as well. What's not to love. <laughs> yeah, what's not yeah. to love. Um, and then uh, we also have a call from John Bentley from the Melton Botanic Gardens. He'd like to talk about... Uh, an event coming up that's all about
1: tomatoes. So. Oh, fantastic. Oh, good on you, John. <laughs> Hi, John.
9: <laughs> Hello, Emma, Penny and Karen. Good morning, Hi, John. John. That, <laughs> it, that, there is actually a, a, two separate things. Oh, sure, I was going sorry. I about the tomatoes and, um, that we're growing at home. So yep. um, last year a lot of people were certainly saying in spring and summer that their tomatoes weren't doing well. Uh, mm. We had a fantastic crop. Yep. So I, I stuck to the, the tried and tested um, Roma Gross Liz, and I did a black cherry this year, which uh, yep. came out quite well.
3: Nice. And then
9: somehow I found a packet of um, Diggers Large Cherry, which mm-hmm. I obviously got for free, which tends to be the seeds I use. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's still going really well. I've posted a couple of photos on the 3CR right. page. Um, and the eggplants are still doing well and the capsicums oh, are doing well. Yeah. But I think I, did, I didn't put those in until late.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Melton is, is an area where you get a lot of sunlight. and um,
2: yeah, it's a, I've also visited John and Jill's garden, so I know that they have lots. It's a warm, cosy garden. Yes. It's not a windy, yeah. exposed garden. Yeah. So yeah. you've got a good spot there. And, and it's one of the things that I should have said it,
1: with climate change um, is that Collecting your own seed and regrowing them, mm. your plants will gradually adapt to the conditions in your garden. Mm-hmm. So it is Absolutely. well worth thinking about doing that from year to year. Mm, so. That's really brilliant advice.
9: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I I usually just throw them in punnets. I think I had about a hundred um, seedlings in one yeah. punnet of gross leaves, and then I separated them. And anything I don't plant go to uh, volunteers at the yeah. friends Give
1: them or other around. around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
9: And then I just wanted to mention that next week is the Botanic Gardens Day. Yes. And oh, I so guess. there's lots yeah. of events at different botanic gardens. Mm. And it's that's normally the fourth Sunday of the month is the Friends of the Melton Botanic Garden Grow the Garden Day. So next week we're having the Grow the Garden Day, the nursery will be open as well. And we're planting in a project that we got a $20,000 grant for last year, which is at the Queen's Jubilee Tree Planting Project.
1: Okay.
9: Um, and that's an avenue of nearly uh, half a kilometre of wow. 500 native trees that we're planting. Wonderful. So we've got 22 beds. Yeah. Um, and they're sort of grouped, so one bed, which is 22 beds, each about 20 metres long by about 10 to 15 metres deep. And one bed would have, like, grey foliage um, gum trees. Another one might have really good flowering gums, acacia groups, brachycin groups, callistamins, okay. maliuchas. So we've done it like that. So yeah. this will be the avenue eventually leading to the main botanic garden centre and the main entry. Okay. But every everyone's welcome. It's... Um, if you get there about 9.30 to 10 o'clock at 21 William Street or the depot and plant nursery, and you can find that, that info on the web, uh, we'll be planting until about 12 o'clock and then having morning tea. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I've got about Wonderful. 300 plants at home all ready to go into that project.
2: Oh, sounds really good. Melton <laughs> Botanics is um, a fantastic resource for any, yeah. well, for Melbourne, but anyone in the West particularly. Yes, mm-hmm. it's a fabulous garden. Mm-hmm. So thank you.
1: Thanks, John. And good luck and with John your planting. Is a, John yeah. is also a resource for the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: very and all the volunteers there are amazing. Oh,
9: that's wonderful. You all do a great job. Thank you very much.
2: Oh, pleasure. Thank you so much Thank for you, calling John. in, John. Good luck for your um, Grow the Garden Day Botanic yeah. Gardens Month.
9: Thank you, Karen. All right. Okay, <laughs> bye.
1: Talk soon. Bye. Can I just, before we move on to anything else, mention the latest edition of Organic Gardener, although I'm not writing for it anymore. It's still a great magazine. Oh, when
0: did you stop writing for it?
1: um, End of last year. So I've resigned. Did not know that, all of that. Um, And I'm not the horticultural editor anymore, but But still fabulous writers for it, like Karen.
0: Yes, still Um, a wonderful publication. And
1: this issue has only just come out, so it's all about mushrooms growing growing your own mushrooms and and there's also an extract from Alison Pulios new book um which it's is looks really book. yeah Good. which looks yeah. really interesting oh sorry her previous book her a previous great book. one yeah. <laughs> that's the one i just bought. but i'm sure this one will be too <laughs> yeah. yeah but it, it's also got things like um growing beautiful broccoli um planting plums peaches and pomegranates and um beetroots um, shredding all your waste, which is what I've been doing all my life, putting it all mm. back into the garden. Um, and uh, Jessamy's writing about bantams, which is lovely. I love Jessamy's articles. she yeah, she's That's a great some, really, writer. Does mm. some really good mm. stuff. And must do winter jobs, which I think is probably the the bit that you've done, Karen. Um, so yes. yeah, it's a and and berries. So particularly um, currents, I think, this time. So I think, I think that that'll be, that'll be a really, mm. really good um, – it's a really good issue. So have a look. Oh, thank uh, you. It's in your in – your, um, so Helen Helen McCarroll's been writing about all the different currents, red currents mm. and black currents, and, I love which again need a little bit cover? of cold. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah, so I was just going to yeah. say,
2: yeah, someone – I, did, I um, did a berry workshop Yesterday, the Corowate Creek neighborhood house. Actually, I'm doing one next Saturday. You Mm -hmm. can look it up on their website. Uh, Coral Royte Creek Neighbourhood House the next weekend we're discussing na- um, nature strip gardening okay. but at the berries someone asked I didn't include currants because I mm. find uh, they're not really that yeah. um, chop in I mean I have planted them for people before yeah. but they don't get many mm. it's hard mm. and uh, the fruiting because of the chilling yeah. hours yeah. needed but, but you're if in you're Dandenongs in if you're in Ballarat or, or, or you know those, yeah. somewhere that's a bit in, inland it gets a decent frost this is Altona so, <laughs> <Yes>. yeah, yeah, <laughs> or that sort of yeah. area so same issue with
0: gooseberries; they need yeah, the yeah, cold yes. uh,
2: a, a woman from New Zealand, he'd lived in New Zealand, asked me about gooseberries and currants, and I said, "Well, you know, sorry, I didn't put them in a presentation because it's probably not much use to you here. Yeah, but yeah, great for people in mm. colder areas. Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yes. And if you, if we don't have any other any coolers at the moment, no, no. Okay, so there was something I wanted to talk about last time I was on, and it was my. It was actually the last article that I wrote for Organic Gardener, oh. mm-hmm. and, and it's not because it's the last, but it was in the issue before two before this one, and it's all about listening. And it's something that I hadn't, um, you know, I I, I walk out in the garden and I look at what's happening, but I often don't just sit there and listen to my garden. And I realised when I started thinking about it that we hadn't had um, cicadas in the garden for three years. Hmm. Which, you know, cicadas always used to be the first hot day you had, you'd start Mm. hearing the cicadas. Do you know, that's quite interesting. I
0: I noticed that this summer too. Mm. And um, my husband and I took a trip to to Tulangi National Park Mm. and we noticed the cicadas in the summertime, Mm. but nowhere near us. And that made me think like, oh, where have they
1: retreated to? And and why? Mm. Yeah, exactly. So listening to your garden you can identify that something's in flower that you didn't notice Mm. because the bees are there. Mm. Um, I have a tree just up the road from us where um, when it's in flower, the flowers are minuscule and it doesn't actually show, but the flies love it and you Mm. get this buzzing of Mm. flies Mm. on Mm. it.
2: So I always know when that's in flower because of the flies. One day my mum said to me, um, she was really concerned, she said, I think your bees are swarming and this is not long Mm. ago. And I said, well, they, they shouldn't swarm now. And I went to the tree and looked and it was just that they it was flowering and they were going crazy on the lily but yes. yes, yes. Just but from that, listening.
1: <laughs> so and things. and frogs. Frogs yes. are the other thing. So I have a big mm. pond in my garden and frogs are there usually all year round. And and if they're not calling then I need to then I think oh I should go and have a look and see see what's going on. I have four different frogs that yes. that visit my garden and we used to have the growling frog coming in often, but I haven't heard it now for three or four years. And oh, it's one wow. of it's one of the a um, uh, threatened frog species. Mm, so, yeah. you know, those those sort of things. And I just, what I was trying to do is to encourage people to sit in their gardens and listen. Don't have earphones in your ears mm, all the time. Mm, yeah. um, and when you go walking, make I sure you listen walking. as well.
2: I, that's one thing yeah. I've noticed, to be honest, mm. is that uh, just even in the park and the area, mm. the park at the end of our street and just walking around the area, that I have to say... People inevitably, have, well, yeah. below a certain age perhaps she <laughs> says in her grandma status or something, <laughs> you know, that people are just wearing their earbuds all mm. the time and so it's very difficult to engage and say hello mm. because they don't hear you mm. and mm. they're in another world. Mm. I, I, I kind of call them the walking dead to be honest. Yeah. but <laughs> It's Sad, a bit frustrating but, mm. yeah. because you think it's great that you're doing that but, you know, you've got your dog there and you've got people that are, mm. you know, your, your local neighbourhood yeah. and you're not engaging, engaging. yeah, and they don't they don't hit these people mm. are not hearing anything mm. yeah. which is a bit of a shame it's yeah. so
0: valuable that like i would love to read that article more in depth so it was in the last issue one, no
1: the one before one before
0: okay yeah. of Sorry. organic yeah. gardening. i haven't yeah. read
2: that either actually penny i think i was really busy at that particular <laughs> yeah. time i haven't read much <laughs> yeah. of that one
0: but it's it, just so important to yeah. remind yourself of mm. that and and to engage with oh Keep being inquisitive and keep mm. wondering. Oh well, what's causing that, yes. or why? Yeah. Why is there an absence of absence of yeah. something that used to be around? Yeah.
1: So well, I, I always know when spring's there because the wood ducks get into the trees aw. and they do this chuckling noise, and I sort so of beautiful. think, oh, spring's on the way. You know, that yeah. was that's rather than a flower; it's the it's the wood ducks. But this whole thought process started with some research that I went to a talk at our local um, Vic Park at Coolart. Um, about some research that's being done on French Island where they've been um, using recording devices mm. to record some of the birds that you can't see because they live in the rushes and they're mm. very shy. Mm. So they put these recording devices up and they record for days on end and they get this whole um, scope of sounds and they can work out exactly what is in. This area without actually having to go there and disturb the species. So, things like rails and shrikes and things like that, that don't want to be disturbed. Um, Shrike, thrush, it's so hard to say. (laughs) And they they then got a, a group of scientists with computers who came up with a way of interpreting. These, these soundscapes that they had so that mm. they were able to identify what the, what the birds were. So instead of someone having to sit there and listen to a week of sounds, mm. the computer does it for them. And they're able to say, yes, well, these the rails are making noises here, and yet yeah, you've, you've probably got you know half a dozen mm. there, and you, yeah, and AI it's just extraordinary, <laughs> extraordinary yeah. research, and and that is amazing. And it just started, and I talk about that in there as well. If you mm. want to go and read mm. about their Thank research, you. too. well, that,
0: so. I mean, it's lovely to hear something positive that um, artificial intelligence yeah. <laughs> yes. is being used for, yes, um, indeed, and something that will really you know help these these. Um, biodiverse places stay that way yep. and these, mm. these lovely birds keep mm. their habitat mm. you know, safe. Mm.
2: Actually one other little sound thing that came into my mind when you were talking about that was that up in the, um, on the family farm the, um, if you hear if you hear a sound from a bird that there, you can hear agitation. Or one mm. thing is, or you hear a different bird that's not normally there, and you think, "What are you? What are you doing there?" And mm. sometimes they've got lost as a flock of birds mm. have gone over, and that happens sometimes. But yeah, there's the agitated cry, and you know mm. that there's a, and then you look up and you see, oh, there's a predator bird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so you le- yeah you learn a lot just by, um, by being listening. attuned to yeah. what the sounds of mm. the of the creatures are. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. the plants too. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah, it's lovely. Very valuable.
0: Yeah. Thank
1: you.
2: Lovely article to write,
1: Penny. Oh, yeah, yeah it was mm. just fun. It was fun researching it too. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. Well,
0: thank you. Well, we do have some text messages we've got to race through now that we're getting yeah, towards so. the end of the show. Um Chloe did text in to me and she said that next week in honour of Botanic Gardens Week, we're having a special show. So we're having John Arnott from um, the Royal Botanic Gardens Mm. in Cranbourne and Claire Hart from um, the Royal Botanic Gardens in Melbourne and Tex Moon. From uh, the Royal Botanic Gardens or the the Botanic Gardens of the Dandenong Ranges. Okay, fantastic. Wonderful. Linda Botanic really Gardens. Um, yeah, so that will be a wonderful show. And there's a number of guest callers. So I just want to remind listeners to have a listen and also call in and ask these people questions. Because um, the Botanic Gardens all over Victoria and Australia are such a resource mm-hmm. for, mm. for gardeners. Um, there's mm. so much knowledge. There's so much... Um, there's just resources and people. the people that work there love to talk about it.
1: Yeah, they're really generous people. Mm. Yeah, mm.
0: I feel lucky to contribute to the Botanic Gardens with the design work that I do. Um, but I'm also so lucky to speak with the Hort mm. staff occasionally. Mm. And, and it just like every time I get to speak to them, I learn something new. Mm. And yeah, it's just really such a valuable thing that we have as um, Victorians. So mm. yeah, call in and have a chat next weekend. Yeah. Um, So we've also got some text messages. Um, Someone, Rosie in Mount Eliza, calls in, uh, texts in and says, can I ask how to support and grow my emerging broad beans, please? Uh, Free from Mornington Library, so not sure of the variety.
1: Okay, If they're tall growing ones, Mm. um, you need to support them because the wind will blow them over. I do it just by putting a stake in... In either in the four corners mm-hmm. and putting some string around, and that will stop them from yeah. from falling over. So they
0: have the most beautiful flowers, and black and white flowers. And flowers. Mm. Yeah, I just yeah. love them. Yeah, so, I
1: do the same thing. So, yeah, mm. so relatively yeah. simple to support broadband.
0: Yeah, that's very good advice. Um, hello, regarding hazelnuts, our female flowers seem to arrive much later than the males, mm. resulting in inadequate pollination. Can I snip off some of the male flowers, the catkins... And save them to sprinkle on the lady flowers when they appear. <laughs> Thanks, And. in Belgrave. I,
1: I don't know the answer to that, but it's worth trying. Yeah, it's a cool yeah. idea. Yeah. Give it a go, Ange,
0: And. And, um, yeah, call and back it, in and let us know yeah. how you yes. went. But you've yeah.
2: possibly got a variety that is one's early and one's mid-season. So yeah. to, what, that's the need for the you know the minimum three different varieties. Yes. So, yes. That it so covers, you may need to buy another cultivar. Yeah, one yeah. that flowers at the right, at time, right time for you. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm. Oh she has a ps. She says ps we have four shrubs, mm. Wellness Pride, Barcelona times 2. Right. Oh uh, mm. so and and something else and we had over 200 nuts last year oh, about oh. 40% were empty. Oh, well, they're not okay. pollinated. Yeah, yeah they are yeah. not been
2: pollinated. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, so good to have the PS. Maybe yeah. w- you need one other variety. Yeah, so, so. But, but, but it particular... may
1: also be seasonal. I mean, oh, it, yeah, was a weird, it was yeah, a yeah. weird season yeah. this year with a lot of rain and mm. that can stop pollination oh, yes, can if everything pollination, gets too wet. So yeah. I wouldn't despair and I'd give them a bit of a chance next year. Yeah. But well done. That's very exciting. Yeah, Where that's is good.
0: she? She's in Belgrave.
1: So not far from me. Yeah, okay. Good hazelnut country. Yeah, yeah.
0: We have one call, so we just have time for this one call and we'll try and keep it short. Ian from Sumbury um, questions about broad beans and silver beet. Hello, Ian. Hello. Hi. <laughs>
10: hey. Um, yeah, look, um, I'm just wondering if it's um, too late to um, uh, put in broad beans. No. No, I,
1: I actually don't plant broad beans now until midwinter because mine never start producing beans until spring and they just sit in the soil for too long. But, Karen, what's your Oh, experience? I was going to
2: suggest uh, one of my favourite things, which is pre-sprouting if you want to hurry it along. So if they're slow to germinate, mm-hmm. you can use pre-sprouting techniques. And, again, I have some YouTube videos on that because <laughs> I love making but them. But when do you plant them? Oh, I, I plant them anywhere from... Um, Probably from April to okay. even March, April, May. And do yours I... produce beans? Oh, not in winter. winter? No, yeah. no, no. I put okay. them in and then get the plants growing, okay. and then as soon as the bees start in spring, then they then they start yeah, producing. Yeah, yeah. I find that better yeah, cool. for Victoria, but that's why I yeah. pre-sprout when I'm late, and I yeah. think, oh, they're never going to germinate, and then mm-hmm. I, I just so, sprout to hurry them along.
10: So, so I usually, I usually just soak my my, my seeds for a couple of days and then put them in.
2: Yeah, or do you that's think?
10: But yep. Yeah. Um, no worries. Um, the other question quickly was, um, I put some silver beet in, some seedlings, just just in the last week or two, week, but silly me, didn't, um, check how much, uh, sun they're going to get. They're only going to get at this time of year, because there's a tree next to them, it's going to shade them. Um, <laughs> so they're only going to get a couple of hours in the morning each day. Is that enough sunlight, do you think? I reckon.
2: Um, yeah. Well, my okay. like, only comment is you could move them somewhere sunnier because they're so little and perennial, perpetual spinach, I should say, mm. is much better. I found that because I've got a lot of shade in my garden and I yeah. find that much better. That's In all. the shade, yeah. Well, my, perpetual, my spinach. perpetual spinach does the same thing.
1: It's fantastic. Well, it's the shade. it's, it's everywhere too. Mm. So.
10: Where, where i put them is in the garden, not in the garden bed. The, the idea was to have them self-seed each year yep. and just have that, that that corner of the garden just... just um, uh, for my silver beet and yep. just have it. Um, so that was the idea of putting them, putting them there in that spot.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would, Personally, I would grow perpetual spinach in something that only gets two hours of sun a day, but you can only try.
10: Yeah, yep. it's, it's it's a big silver beet, the, the big um, giant yeah. Um, variety. Yeah, no worries. All right, thanks, guys. No.
1: Thanks, Ian. Good on you. Bye. Good you bye. <laughs>
0: wonderful. Well, I do have one last announcement that I can put in um from one of our lovely producers, Susie. Um she's mentioned to me that the Melbourne Design Week is coming up and um there mu- there's one uh set of events that might be of interest to our listeners. It's called Landscape Architects as Change Makers. Um and it's presented in partnership with RMIT um University and the Australian Japan Foundation um So, mm-hmm. they're showcasing a number of different panellists, um, some of which are Gillian Wallace, Dr. Heike Rahman, um, and Saran Kim. So, that will be an interesting uh, event to attend. I don't have the full details, unfortunately, but I'd encourage everyone to go onto Melbourne Design Week's uh, website mm-hmm. and you can source all the information you need there. I know that it's free, um, so that sounds very interesting mm, indeed mm, that's <laughs> yeah. great um, and one text messenger has said uh, for broad beans as an additional idea um, Stephen Ryan has mentioned in the past to use Rio mesh to um, support broad beans so that sounds like yep. it would be a useful one
2: yep. mm. Yeah. probably tie them You'd I think I've done it. something similar in the past yeah. then tie along the front of them yeah. use, the broad, use the mesh at the back and yeah. then a bit mm. of a string along the front
0: mm. yeah mm. Sounds like it would be effective. Well, we've come to the end of the show. So a big thank you to our producers, Susie and Di, and thanks to Liz for doing our socials. Thanks to Penny and Karen Sutherland, Penny Woodward and Karen Sutherland, always got to say the last name as well, (laughs) uh, for sharing your time and knowledge with me and our listeners. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning into the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Emma Hurd and it's been so lovely spending this Sunday morning with you all. Bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information,
2: go to allthews.3cr.org.au.